I better not say too much. Tottenham topple the champions of day one. Wow! He's taken the cover off that. A splendid goal from Son Heung-min, which gets Spurs off to a fire. Hello and welcome back to A Bit Spursy for another week. We are here to talk about the Leeds game. I'm Barney. I'm Dan. And, uh, wow, we won. Can you believe it? We had shots on target. We uh, looked great in that second half. Um, Dan, how did you feel following this win? Oh, well, you know, it was the length of the Second World War that we went without a shot on target. Yeah, that's that's right. (laughs) Um, If I could uh, just butt in, it's, uh, yeah, it's um, since um, the... New apparent rival podcast in question uh, that um, uh, which I criticised on Twitter. Um, should we open with this, or is this better to to um, to leave in the oven for a bit? We're here. Yeah, we're here. Right, <laughs> I think cool. we're here. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So um, people that listen to this podcast, I would assume, probably listen to. Um, the Athletic, and they might listen to the podcast that's associated with that, The a View from the Lane. Um, I took uh, a liberty upon myself to comment on one of their posts about us not having X shots on target in X amount of time after their podcast, to which they just compared it to various um, cultural uh, artifacts and events um, as a way of like somehow endowing meaning on those things. Uh, that was my cat. Um, <laughs> and- <laughs> Um, and I just wanted to say uh, that um, since they recorded that podcast and slammed us for, <laughs> for like a good three minutes, um, that it's been 70 hours and 40 minutes, which um, if we take uh, the tactic of comparing that to things, that's uh, you can listen to the Beatles' whole discography in that time uh, seven times. Uh, you can also uh, listen to all but six hours of uh, Bob Dylan's uh, entire discography. Um, so that might be interesting for for listeners, but 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 in all seriousness, it was very funny to hear um, that <laughs> discussion on on that podcast um, because the thing that um, I think was most crucial in me and and Danny Kelly's interaction uh, on Twitter was that I said, "Danny Kelly, you are a legend," but that unfortunately <laughs> did get omitted uh, from his recount of of the events to which he was uh, so offended um, by my criticism of, of comparing uh, the length of time with um, <laughs> the release of albums across the 20th century. Um, and then and there was the threat mm-hmm. of like, he, he had to drag our podcast into the sea and drown it or something. Like yeah. 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 <laughs> and we'd be standing knee deep in seaweed. And here's the thing. Like, I love the sea. Like, take me there. Uh, Danny Kelly, let's go to the beach together. <laughs> that's the, the sea is. That's what a great place to be. Totally. Um, Look, anytime, yeah. anytime another podcast mentions us, uh, it's I always like it. I find it funny. Um, mm. But it's also like it's all positive, you know. Like, there's no competing podcasts here. There's no rival podcasts. Like, you know, everyone. We're just all talking about the same thing uh, mm. in slightly different ways, and uh, it's kind of good that there's so many different Spurs podcasts out there now. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that was one thing I took, uh, not offence, but um, I thought was interesting that uh, dear DK, uh, Danny Kelly, referred to us as a rival podcast. There's no, as you said, there's no rivals. There are only fans, <laughs> fans of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club united by love. 
It also um, means like if we are considered rivals, like you know when teams talk about rivals and mm. if you have like if you've got two teams in the Premier League talking about oh our rivals here, like a team in the Premier League is not talking about a team in like League One as like a rival getting yeah. that. So does this mean that we've made it? We're in the uh, we're in the top echelon now of Spurs podcast where we're uh, we're getting we're getting intense rivalries with mm. um, you know with sort of the biggest ones going around. It's an exciting time, Barney. It's exciting. We've really moved up. And I would like to say, Danny Kelly, in the very slim chance that you um, are listening to this podcast, I'd just like to say we would love to have you on. Um, I very much enjoy uh, your comments. Um, I hope we don't have to be rivals. Um, and uh, I'd love to hear your passion uh, in the uh, a bit spursy, in the a bit spursy airwaves, on the a bit spursy airwaves. That's so. This is why we're not being considered rivals of other podcasts because I'm confusing in and on. And uh, but, buddy, yeah. it's the realness. It's the realness. There's no mm. editing here. Uh, we're calling. It ha- we don't. We don't really call it. Ha- like we're not. We're not this real sort of like, you know, grimy podcast either. So I don't even know what what we're positioned as. But you know, uh, this is quite funny though. Like. As we often mention, like we do like to keep things relatively positive, and like the first mm. time we've got, you know, um, a win with like a sort of a pretty pretty solid, especially a second half performance, uh, and it's like that's usually we're just off to the races, getting caught up in that, but we've found something to digress on already. Already, but but on that win, let's get back on get back on track. Um, I've been very interested by. Uh, the variety of takes about the first half. And while it wasn't particularly pretty viewing, to me, the uh, approach in that first half was very much to not have the ball and, and let them uh, tie themselves out. We can't go man for man with leads for 90 minutes at the moment. So what we did was let them ha- get 45 minutes on us. So then we could do it in the second half. However, um, some people disagree with that and think that uh, we just had a terrible first half. Um, what did what were your takeaways? Uh, I tend to th- agree with the, the the first version of that, mm. um, in which that we, yeah, I, I like you look at how we were set up, and we were sitting quite deep. We weren't pressing at all. Mm. Um, like leads, we're just like in their half. We're like you, you just have the ball. It's like we don't care. <laughs> we're not even like entertaining the thought of pressing there. Mm. Um, and I know that like leads were pe- pressing pretty high, especially with Harrison and James. Um. Mm up the wing. So a point of view goes, okay, was it that they were pressing high that then forced us to sit back or were we sitting back so much that then it allowed them to press high? Um, mm. And I don't really know, but compared to the second half, like it was such a distinctly different performance that I don't really buy this idea that like the first half was just by bad luck um, or by chance, and then the second half was just after Antonio Conte goes into the dressing room and gives them a walloping because mm. it was so different. Like I, I do think it really did look intentional that we we thought, you know what, yeah, we can't match the this team because unless I'm mistaken, like Leeds were on the most in the league, um, mm. cover the most ground. So to go in after, you know, having not that much time with the play, with our players to sort of increase their fitness to be able to do this for 90 minutes – um, I think it kind of does make sense that you might go, hey, let's conserve energy early, let them tie themselves out a little bit more, and then let's kind of really push for it and go for it. Um, you know, later in the game when, um, you know, it might sort of start opening up a little bit and sort of play that way. So, yeah, I, I think like, you know, given how, you know, how good Antonio Conte is as a manager, I don't think that that first half performance is just totally 
by um, yeah, just due to us like having a having a bad game in that sense. Like we weren't playing well, but like in what we were doing, but still, I think that there was some part of that which was tactical. Yeah, I agree. I think to not buy into the Muanon uh, conspiracies in terms of letting the opposition have the ball. Like I can see that as a tactic against a team like Leeds where they are pressing so aggressively where it's like, well, if you have the ball, you're not pressing us. Um, and if you're pressing us in a way to which we're very compact, the damage that can be done from pressing is sort of reduced. Um, and uh, on top of that, we conserve energy, you expend energy, and then we are able to change in the second half and exploit the fact that you would think our players would be fresher. Um, which to me is like, it's just really good tech. You know, that's great tactics if that's the case. And we've, as Spurs fans, been so conditioned to seeing a bad half of football and being like, something's got to change at halftime, surely. <laughs> and then they come out and play worse in the next half. Or, you know, like there is no change at all. Um, so I think perhaps, you know, the jury's maybe still out on... <laughs> on what was being done there because I've read reports that apparently the, the halftime talk that Conte gave was very calm and very measured. And it was like, this is the plan. This is what we're doing as opposed to going in there and like unleashing the hairdryer, throwing things around and, you know, trying to get spirit and heart and blah, 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 blah out of these players, which, you know, as we've said many times in this podcast, they are professional footballers. They have dedicated most of their lives to playing football they want to play football and they want to win like it's not it's not a matter of them coming up for the first time and be like oh oh god here we go first game in the new stadium that's sold out with our new world-class manager let's not bother like it's that's just so uh absurd to me Def- definitely and i think like when you look at the starting lineup that we had like tanganga dyer and winks were the only players uh I think Davies was off with Wales. I think it was. Um, actually, I think Royale was off with Brazil. Anyway, um, I'm pretty sure that they were the only three, um, Tengega, Diet Winks, who were actually at the training ground and working mm. with Conte throughout the last couple of weeks. So, you know, there were those reports before the international break that were saying, you know, Antonio Conte has given the squad homework to do and they're going to have to do all this running and fitness work when they're away at international um, with, you know, with their international teams. But I think that's kind of like giving a child, you know, homework to do on a school camp. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you better go off and do your homework so when you come back that, you know, your your multiplication has improved. Uh, but then it's like, what? who's going off on that camp and going, like, you know what, I really need to do this extra running after I'm already exhausted today. Oh, the rest of the lads, they're just going to go play, uh, you know, play some chess in the common room. Uh, so, you know as if you're going to go out and hit the training ground. So I think it was, yeah, it would be naive to think that suddenly just because we've had, you know, two weeks without a sort of league game that we're going to come in and be playing, you know, this really aggressive game, you know, for the whole match, Mm. Um, which to me would just be kind of, kind of ridiculous. Like our players need more time to get up to that level. And, you know, we showed that in the second half, like it was, so much more of a positive performance. And you could really see as well that like Leeds was struggling. Um, Leeds was struggling by the end of the game. Yeah, totally. And one of the great things that eventuated out of that first half, which, you know, is sort of one of the, the big moments in um, All or Nothing, is that the way that we played with uh, sort of sitting back and trying to counter is that they 
by 60 minutes into the game had um, absorbed, <laughs> there's my cat, um, had absorbed, uh, you know, like three yellow cards. So then they couldn't commit players to those kind of tackles if they were in trouble, which gave us more space to attack. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, again, a really uh, nice piece of uh, tactical thinking, tactical innovation. Um, and um, I am very much, you know, like I'm really interested to see how that kind of uh, like, it, you know, in a gross terms, like half by half differences in our tactics, um, how consistent that is across the rest of the season, because you saw in the first half, you know, like the team, they got booed off at half time, which was, I thought, pretty, uh, pretty full on. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think it was... Uh, kind of worthy of that. But then also there was a lot of anxiety in the stadium every time we passed the ball back, which is understandable because we've just gone through a very long time to which we've done that to absolutely no effect whatsoever. But with this system and how Conte plays, part of it, you have to pass back. Like that is part of the way it works so that we can move forward and do those, you know, like pretty intricate forward passes that lead to a goal. And I think, well, I hope that, the more success we have with him, which I assume we will have, um, the more, you know, we as fans will come uh, accustomed to those kind of passes and not associate them with us just going back and forth between our centre-backs uh, because we don't know what to do. Definitely. And and I think as well with all this that, you know, in some ways um, a large part of the supporter base is we're bringing in baggage from our previous relationships um, mm. into this new one. And I kind of think we need to go a clean slate in the sense that if Conte is looking at our players and going, Hey, everyone's got a clean slate. You do you, then we have to look at the players in the same way. So mm. we can't be disappointed when we see Harry Winks in the lineup. Mm. Um, we can't be disappointed that we still have, you know, Eric Dyer and Ben Davies as our two of our center backs. Like mm. we have to be giving them a clean slate as well. Um, and I think that's what kind of happens when, you know, we start the game, we're not playing well. And then everyone just loves the idea of like piling onto these players. And it's like, it's cause we're rubbish. It's cause our squad is rubbish. It's cause this player is not good enough. It's cause Harry Winks is in there and he's just fallen off and he's horrible and all this sort of stuff. And I think that very quickly snowballs and escalates to the point where, you know, people do get, um, you know, frustrated and, and angry and they just want to blame the players more than anything right now because mm. Antonio hasn't been there long enough, so he can't take any blame. Mm. Um, but, I, yeah, I just really think it's, you know, we need more time. Like we know how good a manager Conte is. And, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that we are going to have significant improvement as the season goes on. Like absolutely no doubt whatsoever. I'm so much more confident now, even if we have a couple of injuries, like how, um, you know, Conte will get us playing and what he'll be able to do with some of the, you know, some of the squad players as well is I, I'm so much more confident in that rather than, you know, compared to say when we had Nuno and it's like, well, cool. If, if a few players do get big sort of long-term injuries um, when, you know, you wouldn't be so sure about his ability to, to handle that and, um, you know, and still get results through it. Like we've got a mm. big test now with Romero being out for, you know, six weeks or however long it is. I think they're still waiting till maybe next week to scan it again and see how long his injury is. But like, that's a big loss, but I'm feeling much more confident about us being able to deal with that now that Conte's in, um, mm. as opposed to well, really any of our sort of previous managers from, um, 
even back to Poch, like, because, you know, Poch had his favorites and there were a lot of players that Poch didn't play and, you know, Poch did bring along some players that um, and improve them, of course, um, you know, especially the young players who would do anything for him. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, the more we become comfortable with the system, the the more sort of solid we'll be and we'll start getting results in a more sort of predictable fashion sort of week to week. Yeah, I think this is the first time that we've had since – like pseudo under potch uh, kind of a plug and play uh, system to which if a player gets injured, the role that the um, replacement player comes into, they know because it is this particular role and this is what they do and they train that role. And it's, it's not up to, it reduces the um, ambiguity around perf- like individual player um, ability or performance when it's like, well, no, this is exactly what you need to do. Um, and you know how to do that, you know, you would think hopefully, um, look on the, on, <laughs> on the player front. And I like have started to feel very bad about, um, the way I have spoken about Harry Winks on this podcast, but he was atrocious, like, atro- like if anyone's concerned that Conte is, uh, it, you know, like Harry, how, why is Harry Winks in the team? Blah, blah, blah. It's not going to be for very long because that performance was awful. Like I'm, as much as I have bagged him out, I want him to do, like, I do want him to do well. Like I want all our players to do well. I don't want there to be anyone that's like, Oh God, they're playing. Um, but he was like, just, Oh, I can't, his positioning defensively is so terrible and his ability to uh, win the ball. Terrible. He, in the second half, everyone played better. He did play better as well. He played some forward balls, but still like, I was going to say, how much of this is based on the first half versus the second half? Out of curiosity, uh, yeah, yeah. I, so this is across the whole game. So okay. every like, if I'm going a baseline, everyone in the first half gets a five out of ten, and then in the second half, people increase their their player rating. He sits at a five. Like all goes like it was just so frustrating to watch, um, and he unfortunately, be it due to injury be it due to um, his reading of the game, which I, I, you know, I don't think is true. Having said this, his box-to-box play in the second half, that's the best version of Harry Wings. And if we get that, um, that's a, that's okay if he's going to be a second-string player. But, um, yeah, what did you, like, <laughs> I'm so biased. I can't even, like, really talk about him anymore. What did you, did you have any thoughts about his performance? Yeah, I love, I always expected your question to be like, what did you think about Harry Winks' disgusting performance? <laughs> yeah. Did you also vomit in your mouth while watching? What did you think about Harry Winks' absolutely abject display <laughs> that offended every single person, the 60,000 people in the stadium and the millions watching at home? <laughs> I had to get rebaptized. Like, it was, it was that bad. I'm not even religious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I look, I'm I'm definitely not part of the Church of Winks. Um, mm. I don't know if, if many people are really, <laughs> but um, I didn't. I guess it didn't stand out as being too bad for me, purely because I think definitely look, definitely first half, everyone like the we didn't have much of the ball and we were playing well overall. And I, he did, you know, give it give it away a few times, and he wasn't looking sharp. But then the second half, I guess. To me, watching his, he didn't stand out as having a bad second half. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, like I wasn't so conditioned to sort of be watching for winks um, in that game. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to be sort of like you know, uh, give a politician's answer here and be 
you know, non-committal to something. But I didn't really notice too much in the second half from him being poor. Um, but I'm sure you could sort of show me a compilation that you put together saying like, here's where he gave it away. Here's where he did this. Here's where he did that. Um, so I think overall on Winks, like, you know, it's a, it, it feels, I guess why it feels sort of sad in some ways is that when you, whenever you get a player coming through sort of the youth system and coming into the team, you always get the, you know, one of our own um, feeling with everyone that comes through. Um, so, you know, we obviously had that so much with Harry, uh, well, Harry Kane. Um, mm. And then we're getting that now with Skip. Like we, we sort of want him to succeed so badly because he's come through the system. And I think we get that with any player that comes through. Like to Tanganga as well, we have that. To even to um, Dane Scarlett, like who, you know, we haven't seen much of this season and we didn't really see much of last season, but we did see sort of a couple of glimpses. Mm. Um, it's a, we love the idea of developing our, you know, developing players and having them come through. And uh, we, we have such a close affinity to, affinity to them, like we're sort of raising our own children. So when I think you get Harry Winks, who's kicked on to where he is now, and he's, I think he's 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and his trajectory has definitely dropped off quite significantly from where he was heading. Um, and again, whether that is to, you know, due to injuries and, you know, a bunch of other different bits and pieces, um, there is like a part of me deep down, which is hanging on to the idea of, oh, it would be great if somehow a manager would be able to get in with him and, and turn him around and make him like a pretty serviceable player for us. Not necessarily a star, but, you know, a squad player who can actually be pretty decent when they come in. Um, but having said that as well, like if you said, you know, what's your preferred Spurs team right now? Like Harry Winks would not be in my top five central midfielders. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like, you know, to in the uh, in the way of uh, trying to reduce my biases, like I also thought that Pierre had a he scored a goal that was like the biggest scrubber in the history of the world. And if Pierre scoring goals, I want them to be rockets, or I want them to be that. Um, so that was great. But in terms of his overall game, it wasn't great. Um, and he just needs a break. Like the man <laughs> needs a break. Um, definitely. I was and- I was interested to to see what you would say about that because I thought that Pierre does definitely not. Um, yeah, wasn't at his sort of usual level. And I was mm. like, I wonder if Barney will gloss over that due to the goal no. that he scores and <laughs> and all that. But I'm glad that you've kind of um, not called him out on it, but <laughs> sort of said that, like pointed out, like yeah, there's you know, we're we're just very wary of the standard Pierre situation that we get into. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the same with like, I could not, but I've watched the second half. Uh, I'm on holidays now, so I'm bored. I've watched the second half of that game four times. Um, and um, I cannot believe after Region scores the the winner, the commentators, whoever we got on, on Optus Sport here in Australia were like, you know what? He might be the man of the match. I was like, he has been terrible. Like he has not had a good game at all. He scored that goal. Great. That was really good. Great ante- anticipation. I'm sure it would have been hard to keep that ball down. Really well done. But until that, like so many of our attacks died with him or like it, it wasn't a good game. And just because a player like Pierre scores a goal, it doesn't mean that that erases the rest of the game just because they've scored. Like neither of them had good games. I'm very pleased they both scored. Um, but again, if I'm going to be roasting Harry Winks, I need to, <laughs> I need to be more measured. Um, the other one that didn't, you know, like Tanganga, like understandably hasn't played for a while. He wasn't good. He, uh, got in the way. He, uh, just didn't have a good game. Like, and I love him. So, um, I hope that changes. I love that assessment so much. 
It's like mm. it just in the t- just, if you were Conte after the game, it's like uh, Jaffa, you weren't good. You got in the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gaffer, what do you mean? Well, yeah. you just got in the way, didn't you're you? You're in the way. You were, you were just kind of <laughs> like I'm trying to watch, and you're standing in front of me. You know, that kind of. You thing. were there, but not really there. But there, but ugh. yeah, in the worst way, you were there. Um, in terms of Kane, like there were just again, it was like we're seeing a very slow return to Harry Kane uh, or the Harry Kane that we expect. But in this game, like, yes, it was better, but there are also th- chances where I was like, I, it's not an easy chance, but I expect Harry Kane to be putting those at least on target, if not away. And there were a couple of, I think in both halves, there were, there were um, situations to which he just like completely scuffed it. Um, well, I mean, look, was, I mean, he scored yeah. about 115 goals for England over the last week. Yeah, yeah, but you know, against really high quality opposition, um, they definitely weren't a lead two quality. And the best thing about it was that the English press didn't at all get wrapped up in it or uh, <laughs> pretend like uh, it meant more than it did. So that was, uh, yeah, that that was great. Yeah, but I mean, look, look, if if he's scoring that many goals for England, I think he's got something like 17 goals this season mm. um, and mainly that's coming in, you know, like a hat trick in the conference league and pretty much the rest for England <laughs> after mm. that. Um, but yeah, like there's still that element where he just looks a little bit lethargic. I thought there were a couple of moments um, in the second half when we were having more of the ball and sort of being a little bit more positive with it, where he was at least sniffing around a bit more. Um, and, you know, he had the shot, which, you know, went through the keeper's legs and then hit the post. But like, I'm expecting Kane, like when he's in top form, to just absolutely bury that. No, no questions asked. Mm. Um, yeah, I think he's another one. Look, it's it's still too early to see. Really, like Conte hasn't had much time with him. Mm. Um, but I think that, yeah, I feel like we're just going to need still a couple of weeks, especially without Harry going away. And I think the older that he gets, like he's. He's definitely lost a little bit of yard of pace that he had. Mm. And he was never super quick, but it was all those little little extra percentage, um, you know, increments that he was always going for. And um, he's he's lost that pace just a tiny bit. And so I think it's now when he's traveling around, when he's playing, you know, and he plays all the minutes as well. Like when he goes to, um, goes to play for England, he's captain, so he's going to play pretty much the whole games. When he plays with us, he very rarely gets taken off. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, it's like even if we play a team in, you know, the conference league when we go, all right, cool, we really want to win. Uh, we need to send a message here. We start with Kane and then some some sort of rotation happening behind him. So, you know, I think ultimately like we really desperately do need another striker that we can be playing up top so that we can start managing Kane a little bit more and mm. get him into a scenario where, you know, we know that he's so keen to score goals and he loves nothing more than just scoring goals. Um, but... I think it's now like to preserve his career and like to keep him sort of, you know, like fit and firing both for club and country consistently. Um, it just feels like you've got to be sort of playing him, you know, in 90 or 80% of the games um, and sort of managing that rotation a little bit more um, so that we just don't get, you know, a sort of a tired Harry. Now that we've got a good chance to, you know, bet him in with Conte and, and see what he can do there. So, I mean, the only thing I'll, I'll add to that is that at least the there's no more international games for I think till February or March or something like that. So we should have 
you know, a lot of time for, for Harry to get up to speed. And, you know, if, if it's another f- few weeks and he's not, um, he's not really playing well for us yet, then I think we, we probably need to start asking a few questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am still, <laughs> maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I just hold a grudge, but um, I'm still very much, race agrees with my cat, uh, that um, we, uh, we should sell him. Like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm still done. Wait, um, is this Kate or the cat? Oh, we both. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I want to sell the cat right now. And uh, I also would like to sell Kane. So yeah. I just love that just in the background, I saw your cat just jump vertically right out of screen and has not returned. So Yeah, he's a freak. He's like a freak of a cat. He can pull his whole body weight up with his front paws. Um, it's terrifying. Well, look, that's the sort of drive that we need from Harry right yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you're right, though, like having... Like holding on to Kane, it's it's still just such a weird situation overall. Because mm. even though we do have Conte, and Conte is the type of manager that could sort of make Kane, you know, turn it around and sort of recommit. Like mm. there's still just so much pressure. Like we have to impress Kane, you know. Like mm. we have to like otherwise we're going to lose him and he's going to go and all that sort of stuff. And mm. it just feels really unbalanced in that sense. Like if we get to the end of the season. It kind of feels now like we need Champions League. Um, yeah. We need to finish fourth. Mm. Um, and if we don't get that, then it's like, oh, well, cool. We don't get that. Kane's going to go again. Mm. Um, you know, Conte might want to go. But, you know, there's mm. there's just this weird pressure I feel from from Kane that we need to sort of like match his ambition and all that. And um, I think we definitely have done that with Conte. We've definitely done that with some signings that we've made. Mm. Um, so now it's really time for us to sort of drop that and kind of, you know, go again, like, look, Kane is not above us. He's not above this club. He's not above this team. And, um, you know, he needs to impress and, and, and perform for us as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not just about, um, what he wants and what, what he values as, as, uh, ambition and blah, blah, blah. Like, if say we say we don't make the Champions League, which you know, uh, given that there's three teams that are definitely going to qualify, it's uh, less likely than than likely. <laughs> I think that if we get to this point and you know the same thing starts up again about Harry wanting to leave, I hope that the club just goes fine by, like <laughs> you're off. Like that's and I know that's unrealistic because if we did that, then teams would be like, we'll give you thirty million pounds and. Uh, Oh, Andros Townsend, remember him? Like, you know, it's not, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. Although he's had a great season. Um, But it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, the whole, his whole image, and I'm so annoyed I'm still talking about him, but his whole image to me is so tarnished by what happened over the summer. And then now sort of the resulting uh, uh, lack of form in the league for Spurs that I just, like I'm still so re- re- residually angry about it. Um, well, I think like which, we spoke about yeah. on the last podcast, we spoke quite in depth about the the comments that Kane had made about, you know, he he dealt with the things in the summer quite well, and like we kind of like torn into him because like, you know, Kane, Hain, you sorry, Hain? Um yeah. Kane, Kane, you caused. Good. I like Hane. Hane, that's the new mm. name. It's not H. Yeah. It's just Hane. Yeah. Um, you know, so you caused all those issues, um, mm. but. Yeah, it it just sort of feels like I'm still waiting. Like as this as a Spurs fan sitting here, I'm still waiting for Kane to give like the rallying cry to the fans and 
just come out with that statement that just gets everyone back on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's just the longer that it happens, the, like, emptier you kind of feel about him. Like, when I see him on the, on the pitch now, I don't really feel much mm. for seeing Kane. When I, I see mm. other players going at it, you're like, yeah, awesome, great. You feel really, like, you know, there's close affinity to them and you feel like they're down for the cause and everything. Like, when Reggie celebrated his goal, I was mm. just, like, absolutely smitten with him. Um, yeah. But with Kane, it's, like, it's really weird because it's still it's the guy that you know doesn't want to be there and hasn't come out and said otherwise. And his actions aren't really showing otherwise. Mm. So even though mm-hmm. you say like, yeah, he scored against pretty weak teams internationally, it's like he still he still seems to enjoy playing for England. Mm. Um, and it, it, it sort of, it seems a little bit like, um, you know, there was always that sort of thing when Bale was like playing for Madrid and then when he'd go off and play for Wales. And it's like you get a completely different Gareth Bale when he plays for Wales and he just absolutely loves it. Whereas mm. like Madrid, he just hated it. And he's, I mean, he still did pretty well, but um, I think we're just sort of, I don't know. It's getting a little bit tiring sort of still being stuck in that. And we just, even if Kane lies, like Kane, just lie. Just mm. even if you want to go at the end of the season, just just come back now. Just say you're committed. Mm. Say you're in. Say, you know, oh, look, a few things happened. Didn't get my move. Uh, whatever. Like you don't have to say sorry, but just like acknowledge what has happened in this timeline. Um, mm. And then that's like, you know, you're working hard to like get back into into good form for the club and everything like that. Like, we just just give us something. It's so bizarre to me that uh, footballers have sort of almost become like uh, politicians or or businessmen where they need to, as opposed to just being like, I'm committed to the club, this is where I am, you know, I'm just uh, working away and I'm fully committed to Tottenham Hotspur. And then at the end of the season, they're like, actually, I'm going. Like, that, to me, I'll be like, yeah, well, whatever. But they need to... <laughs> Like draw out the pain of it so that they can, I don't know, because it never happens. They never are like, yeah, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. And then if they do leave, they can't be like, well, I told you so in April. Do you remember that? It's like, no, everything moves so quickly. And the media is constantly creating sensationalist story after sensationalist story that those, that gets forgotten. Like Christian Eriksen's uh, honesty where he was like, "I, you know, I want a new challenge and blah, 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 blah. Like he was... You can view that in a way, like in real life, if I'm going to be honest with, with you know, somebody about my intentions, like that is a, a virtue. But in football, it's it's actually really not. It's just like you're just creating heat on yourself from, from the fans because all they want is just you to say that you love the club and you want to play there and blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, I, I really don't understand why. It must be part of their media training or their what whoever's advising them. Well, I mean, this, it's, it's the agent. Yeah. It's like it's it's the agents and the, you know, and they're like um, the managers of their like personal affairs and those sort of things. Because if you think about it, like let's you know twist this onto um, you know shining light onto any other sort of profession. So mm-hmm. let's say Barney, you're really unhappy with your job. You might tell yep. your friends about it, mm. um, but that's not going to be a public thing that then gets put put out. <laughs> to the place that you work. You're not going to walk around the office like telling people how much you want to leave and what you want to move mm. on or make a big sort of public fuss about it where everyone knows and it's common knowledge because then your company is going to go like, hey, Barney, you've been kind of doing things that suggest you really want to leave to absolutely everyone. Um, yeah. I think you can just go, like just leave, mm. get out of here. Um, and so it is really weird when, you know, because in our personal lives, we don't have agents 
Yeah. Going like, you know, Barney, you've been doing really well at work. I think we need to go in there and get a pay rise for you. Otherwise, we're going to take your services elsewhere. We're going to see mm-hmm. if someone else wants to hire you. Um, that doesn't happen. So we don't, you know, in normal life, we can sort of play, hold some of our cards close to our chest and go, you know what, I've, I personally want to leave this situation at the end of this year, but I'm not going to tell work about it because I'm still going to put in and I'm still going to be responsible and do what I need to do until the new opportunity comes up then I'll give my notice mm. and go. Um, whereas you've got these footballers where they're, they're, you know, they're signing these huge contracts, um, getting so much money and paying so much to do it, but then they've got these agents who are agitating for things and agents wanting to get paid for moves, um, agents coming out and leaking things in the press. And it's just weird having that distance where you can have an agent come out and leak something that then it's not really the player's fault 100%. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we, we do know some agents act without really consulting their players and they just do what they think is best for them. Mm. But also it just gets very sort of tiring when, when, when you have that. And look, I, I just prefer players who, um, you know, sort of keep quiet on those things. I prefer, if, like I prefer for Harry to pipe up about some social issues as opposed to mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. of piping, um, piping up about trying to get his big sort of money move. To, uh, I mean, I stuff, like. Right? I totally understand in the sense if if you approach the club that you're playing for and you're like, I want more money, I'm worth more money, I need to be paid more, and the club goes, mm, nah, and then you're like, okay, agent, like let's leak to the press that I want to leave, and so then the club feels the pressure to then give you more money, like that makes sense to me. But in terms of moving clubs, I don't understand the effectiveness of it. Like, it, what are you what are you doing? And like, I, I agree with the you know like the office example of you know walking around the office being like i just really need a new challenge and telling everyone <laughs> but also unless you work in an office that has 63,000 people watching what's going on in the office yeah. like you know like it, it's it's baffling to me because we as as lay people as people that don't work and get paid to play football along with all the other people that watch Tottenham we are used to that environment where it's like well you're not going to you're not going to disclose that you want to leave until the time is absolutely it's it's happening like you're going and so when footballers do stuff like like leak stuff to the press or or talk about new challenges it's so unrelatable it's like what do you it's like a, which is why it's you know i think um perceived as like a betrayal as it's like well, because if you did do that in the workplace it would be it would be like this kind of depending on where you work um, you know, it could be perceived as this kind of like, oh, like, oh, okay. Well, if you're just going to go, like, well, what's the point in us uh, investing in you at all? Like, you know, why are we? Why would we treat you well? I guess that ultimately the villain is just capitalism, is what I <laughs> what I'm getting to. Um, totally. But this brings yeah. up a point. Like, I would love it if there was like, you know, more of a public transfer market and interest in um, just regular jobs. Like Barney, if you and I were just working at a fish and chip shop. Mm. And then I come to work one day and like, Barney, I, I, I checked the paper this morning. And it said, you, you gave a very, very uh, confusing interview where mm. it suggests you kind of want to leave and, mm. uh, you know, head to a place in Coburg. Like what's going mm-hmm. on there? Um, yeah. Like, it, like you say, it is so like, it's such a surreal scenario and it's so far removed from anything that any of the fans experience um, mm. to have these situations I- that it's, it's really... Yeah, it's it's hard to like even imagine things working that way. 
I mean, that's like social media. I mean, I love that example. Like, well, the thing is, Dan, that Kobo Fish and Chips, they've got ambition. They match uh, They match my level of ambition. On Good Friday, they have crates and crates of fish. Here, once we run out, we're done. Over at Coburg, they push and push to sell more fish and chips. Um, and I just really want to be part of that environment. Like, you know, like I, I would love if that was the case. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um but yeah, it's 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 so foreign and and bizarre and um, I think you know even when we see like say a movie star bails on a film, regardless, we know no context about why that's happened. Like something awful could have happened on set, and then when they bail on a film, the reaction usually um, within the public discourse is like, eh. oh, they bailed on that film. Oh, like oh, mm-hmm. I guess they're not reliable. Oh. You know, like, oh, they don't want to do that movie anymore. Like, uh, when Jay- <laughs> when Daniel Craig didn't want to be James Bond ever- anymore, everyone was like, oh, well, I mean, everyone wants to be James Bond apart from you, apparently. And it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> despite the fact that he may very genuinely feel like he doesn't want to do it. And <laughs> and that's valid in any other workplace scenario, but in the public eye, it's not. It's like, well, you're really lucky to be where you are. So, hmm. Uh, um, anyway. Definitely. I know. No, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I agree with that because it's like, you feel like, you know, if if you're in a relationship with someone, you break up with them, like it's not public knowledge. So you will go off and present the best version of yourself to, you know, your friends about the situation and all that mm. sort of stuff. And no one will any, think anything different. They'll be like, mm. oh, okay, cool. All right, move on. Let's go. Um, but when you do have these situations that play out in the public eye, it's like people are always trying to save face um, mm. and people mm-hmm. are always trying to make themselves be the appealing one in this sort of, you know, scenario. So for example, mm. like, We'll never know the exact conversations that happened between Kane and Levy and, and all of this sort of stuff about, you know, promises and anything like that. But they're both going to come out. Like Levy's not going to come out and go, oh, you know what? I lied to Harry. Um, I lied about the ambition and just just clarify, just, just to clarify, I lied. Um, because mm. then suddenly everyone's going to go like, well, all right, whenever this guy speaks, we're just not going to trust him. So he's a liar mm. now and no one else is going to mm. want to come there. Likewise with Kane. Kane's not going to come out and go like, oh, you know what? I kind of twisted what was meant in the promise. Like uh, it was made very clear to me that if I got, if it was a transfer offer of a pretty reasonable value that I would go, but I've chosen to, t- I chose to take it to just mean if any pathetic little dribble of an offer came through and that's why I kicked up a fuss. So I kind of, mm. you know, twisted that a bit because then people just go, all right, well, then this guy, we can't trust him mm. either. Um, he's just an absolute snake. Um so it's like we're always just going to be stuck in the sense of like we're always wondering what happened, but we we will always crave to know something more and, um, you know, we want someone to side with on these things, I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think we're what we're getting to is at the core of football is this um, cognitive dissonance between what is being presented in the media. Say, say for instance, uh, Levy gives a, a chairman's address and he says – you know, we're going to do this and this and we're, we're doing this. There is, we have evidence that maybe that's not true. And then we also have hope that what he promises is true. And that dissonance is really uncomfortable, like as a phenomena psychologically. And then we, that's, it's awful to be in that spot. And we want it to just be one, like we want it to either be like, we do not trust this guy at all forever. Or it's like this guy follows through with his prom- uh, his promises and in this sort of unclear, unknown space, 
that brings up all these uh, 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 like uh, emotions and uncomfortable emotions, which is why you know the my theory as to why the like Twitter discourse can be so toxic and reactive is because it is just this mess of information that is not particularly uh, well verified, and it doesn't. No one really knows what the inner workings were, and so there's no clear picture. Um, and so people react, you know, in a, in a big way. And, you know, for instance, like, you know, me and Danny Kelly from the, from the <laughs> athletic, you know, I said, Danny Kelly, I think you're a legend, but that was omitted from his story. Um, secondly, he threatened us with the sea. We both live in Australia. We're quite, um, we're quite familiar with the sea. So, uh, again, if he'd done a, a bit more research, uh, he would know that that was him dragging us to the sea is a very enjoyable activity for the the two presenters of a bit spursy. And see, and there we go. Now we have a battle between two titans just trying to save face mm. to, to mm-hmm. all the fans everywhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a challenging scenario. Um, on the point you made about Levy, it was interesting because in the last week or so, I think we've had another release from him, um, which kind of echoes what Conte mentioned a, few, a couple of weeks ago, I think, where he was saying like, you know, this, you look at this club and the stadium is incredible, but um, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, the training ground. Mm. It's the best in the world. It's unbelievable. But, you know, that's all great. But now we need to sort of raise that, raise the on pitch um, profile and, and the performance and everything around that. Um, and then in what Levy's command said, it's basically echoing the same thing um, and saying that, like, yeah, now the focus is on having to, um, you know, to put put more attention on that aspect of it now that all this other infrastructure is in place and talking about how given that this infrastructure is in place, we can now get a whole bunch more money into the club, which is then going to be filtered into the football system and and blah, blah, blah. And so then there's the two camps of people, some that go, okay, well, let's see how this plays out and see, you know, we might as well like just go, okay, cool. You know, let's see what we do in in the January transfer window and then at the end of the season. Uh, But then there's a whole bunch of others who – Going, oh, I heard it all before, heard it all before, <laughs> nothing new. Oh, it's going to go straight into Leary's pocket and to Joe Lewis's yacht. Um, golden and- toilet, golden toilet, <laughs> unbelievable, ridiculous. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like the thing that at the moment especially, like, you know, it was kind of there under Jose where it's like, well, we've got this man, like with content, it's like, no, we, we have one of the best five managers in the world right now who is probably getting paid a lot of money. Um, not probably. He is getting paid a huge sum of money to be where he is. And, like, every time I see him on the touchline, I get chills because I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, he's our manager. And, like, all his, you totally. know, like, revving up the crowd and all that kind of stuff, I was like, oh, my God, he's doing that for us. This is, <laughs> oh, my God. And, <laughs> you know, like – that contradicts this idea of like Levy's just stealing money. Every time we sell a player, he takes money and just sticks it in his pocket, cold hard cash. Like it's like, well, there's also this other thing. And unfortunately, uh, you know, in life, multiple things can be true at the same time. And that is very difficult when you have 120 characters to uh, voice your opinion. So. Oh, definitely. And like, we, we look at it really. And, you know, um, you know, you can be sympathetic to what the club have done or you can be critical. And it's like every morning you wake up, do you want to be sympathetic or critical to things? Like, and that's, I'm not trying to say you should be one way or another, but 
you know, some people wake up and they just want to criticize things and that's how they get their enjoyment throughout the day. Um, mm. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> I get it. Mm. It's too much of a negative headspace to sort of be in. I would much rather give benefit of the doubt and go, you know what? It's not going to change my life massively um, sort of, you know, in terms of the result of what's happening here if I'm really critical of it, if I'm really, um, you know, sort of, sort of positive about it. But it will change my experience of it all. And now when we get, you know, like you said, we've got one of the actual best managers in the world. Like previously when we, we went for Mourinho, we thought that's what we were getting. But what it was is it was like, it was kind of like going to the nightclub and there's a guy who rocked up there who used to be the coolest guy there like 20 years ago. Mm. And he's still there in his leather jacket and all this. And you look at him, you're like, nah, you, you don't have it anymore. Just go home. Just go home and be with your family. Don't be out in this. But now we have Conte, who is the coolest guy there. <laughs> Um, the coolest and most serious and threatening guy there, but also the coolest guy there who were like, okay, cool. This guy runs this joint. So we've got someone who's very much of this coaching generation now. And it's like, great. If we've got him in who, and he's, you know, a very sort of like tough customer, like there must've been some guarantees made. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to start spending 150 million pounds in January, but there's got to be some guarantees that have been made. And we've also got Paratici now as well. Like we're not mucking around in terms of the backroom staff with these two appointments in place. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, I kind of look at that and go, all right, you know, this is really like critical time to go, okay, cool. We've heard this stuff about the, the stadium and, um, and, you know, once that's full, once we have a new stadium, that's when the revenues come in. And since we've opened the stadium, we haven't had like a really full, long, extensive season um, for that to happen. And, you know, match day revenues have been completely down. So this is, again, this is not just a completely sympathetic thing towards the club and, and towards Levy and all that, but it is a it is looking at it and going like, all right, we now actually have the, the manager that matches the ambition that is being spoken about. So let's back that and see what we can do. Totally. And like, I, you know, I don't want to retread old ground, but at the moment it seems, you know, especially in the Premier League, it's it's like either you're owned by um, a uh, horrendous uh, oil tycoon uh, who is an individual businessman or an entire state um, that commits not only uh, horrific acts on the planet to which we live, but also to other human beings that inhabit that planet, or you uh, support a club that, uh, is not funded by that and therefore uh, is limited and has to find other avenues to make money. And it's crazy. It's just so infuriating to me that like when Tottenham Hotspur Stadium has like an Adele concert or Lady Gaga or a boxing match. So here we go again. <laughs> Enoch, they don't care about football. Oh, look at this. We're having a boxing match. It's like, what do you want? Like, yeah. what, what is your choice here? Because the oil stuff, that doesn't happen in your, you know, right in front of you like the boxing match does. So would you rather just not know that they were um, chopping journalists up or would you rather just be like, cool, well, of course you'd have a boxing match in this huge stadium that's like the best one in the area uh, and we can earn a bunch of money from it, which then can be invested into the club. No, we want but the nice guy billionaire. <laughs> We yeah. want the good bloke billionaire who comes down to the pub and has a beer and buys us all Maseratis. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like you can't – there's no way. And for, if only that was true, that that person exists, but they don't. And, um, you know, they're, they're probably not going to uh, exist, especially within a football space ever, um, 
So uh, make your choice as to what you would you rather a, an event or would you rather uh, the murdering of human beings? Um, totally. Yeah. Look, look, look. Here's the task: find us someone, find us um, a clean, a crystal clean billionaire mm-hmm. who has got no, not even a bad word to their name anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, they can't just be a low level billionaire mm. because the club is like it. It will cost a couple of billion. Um, to mm. buy the club, so find it. You have to find someone who's, I'd say, probably at least, at least like 20, 20 25, 30 plus mm. million to buy it, um, mm. and find someone there who is just a good person, <laughs> squeaky clean, never done anything wrong. But also, like, submit that and let us let let me do some research as to their dealings. I bet you, <laughs> like, every single one of them has got some. Something has happened. They've exploited somebody to get where they are. Like, definitely, um, yeah. Um, yeah. But there, yeah, look, the game was second half was good. <laughs> yeah, second half was good, and uh, we haven't been distracted at all. Uh, great second half. Um, again, second half, very much like the uh, maybe second half uh, of Paratici's reign as director of football, in the sense that he played the long game. He played, in fact, he played the long sit back counter game. For you know, for ten matches, and then uh, then he went boom. Second half, here we go. We're we're going out and attacking, and we have uh, Conte as our manager. So um, yeah, I'm very again super excited to see how it plays out. Um, everything that Conte has done so far, I've I've loved. Like I just watched the uh, Mora press conference before we started recording, and the first question, which was from like Talksport or some like trash like that they they um the first question was like so apparently pochettino um is coming back to the premier league how do you feel about rising to that challenge and Conte just laughs and was like what why would i care like it's like if he you know i I like him as a person if he comes back i want the best for him um but also it's a rumor like why i'm i'm managing a football club like i don't why would i be looking at this like i don't also if you're Conte, you're going okay hang on to wait you're asking someone who has zero titles like you, you know, you're asking me to be worried about someone who has zero titles in any mm. leagues, uh, no major trophies. Mm. You're asking someone who's won five league titles in the biggest leagues in mm. the last decade. Why yeah. would I care? And this is trying to just have a dig at Poch, but it's like Poch is not on Conte's level. Um, mm. You know, Poch is a great manager all round, mm. um, but he doesn't have the track record that Conte does. Yeah. Um, so if I was Conte, I would find that question stupid too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'd laugh. And there was another couple that he just, like, it was such a great way that he he just, like, openly laughed and was like, what? Like, what do you? And it was just so, um, you know, like, not malicious, not nasty. It was just more, like, it seemed like he genuinely found humour in the fact that that question was being asked. And he w- his answer was just like, I can't answer that. Like, I don't, how could I answer that? And, um yeah, it was really good to see him do that because, you know, like uh, Pochettino is like very much an underrated, like mean girl style bitch. And like he, <laughs> he, he has just got like, he's perfect at like slipping in slightly little, he's, you know, beautiful man. And, and, uh, I, if he manages the club again, I will be so happy. But it's like let's just let's just chill on that. If he goes to Menu, I'm going to be heartbroken. But also, if we've still got Antonio Conte, I'm not going to be that heartbroken about it. Oh, um, I think yeah. as well, if Poch goes to Menu, like 
it just seems like that man you seat. It's just no one's going to sit in that. Um, like they have to get rid of half their squad. Get rid of like there's so many problems there. There's so many egos. There's so many like average players. They've got some really mm. great young players, definitely. Um, but there's like it's a very troubled position to go into. So I don't think Pochettino looks at it and goes, "Yeah, this is a really attractive move for me to make right now." Um, especially if he does get some success at PSG this season. Mm. So. Mm. Look, I I just think it's um it's funny when you know people sort of you know either questioning Conte on on various bits and pieces, and especially like after the the Leeds game where you know Conte's celebrating, he's showing that passion, which he shows for the whole game. So let's also mm. just like get this clear: it's like he shows that passion every single game he is on the touchline constantly. So after like even the first two minutes, Conte's up there, he's pointing around, he's shouting, he's doing all this. So why do we then expect Conte when we win to just put his hands in his pockets or just give us a slow little golf clap and then just go around and just gently shake everyone's hands? It's like, (laughs) no, that's not how Conte does it. He's a passionate guy and he shows that and he puts that on display for everyone and he sets that as an expectation for everyone else to follow around him. So if you're a player on the field and you see your manager on the side just going absolutely berserk, you have to rise to that as well. Like yeah. you can't, just, if you've got a manager standing there, like how Nuno would just stand there without even moving and basically <laughs> yeah. just wondering like, has he been replaced with a statue or not? Mm. Um, hmm. Like you, you have to play into that. Like Conte is just revving up the fans during the game as well. Like, I love that. I love that oh. clip where it shows him just really sort of going for it. But then it's like, you know, why do people criticize at the end? Like, Oh, it's like they've won the league title. It's mm. like they've bloody won Champions League the way they're celebrating. And it's like, no, stuff that. The mentality he wants is to build up these celebrations, to build up these wins. And it's because it's like that's how we do things. Mm. We do this. We play with this passion every single game that we play. We don't mm. switch off, um, So, which I think is absolutely amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. And, like, we've heard, you know, reports of his – not only his like player management is fantastic and the way he speaks to every player is that they're important to the squad. And he got asked a question in this press conference, uh, Nuno only took half the squad. What are you going to do? And Conte said, well, we'll take everyone because we're all part of the same team. And, you know, as part of, you know, just saying that in the press or whether he's celebrating, like, you know, you said on the sideline, what he's doing is like excellent. It's, it's like to, to not sound like some kind of like, crypto bro but it's like multi levels of of management where he's you know we hear about him being really friendly with every single staff member at at, uh the training ground and then at the stadium he's trying to inspire the fans to be as loud and as passionate as possible to give the team the one or two percent or five percent that pushes them on to win the game like it's just really really well done and if it's genuine or performative, him being that passionate, it doesn't matter because, like you said, it's consistent throughout the whole... He doesn't, yeah, exactly stand like a cardboard cutout like Nuno and then we win and he goes bananas. Like, he's <laughs> that level is from... As soon as the ball's kicked, he's like that. And and that's that's what you get when you get... The thing that surprises me is any comment where it's like, he's celebrating like they bloody won Champions League. What the hell? It's like, we've seen... Conte in the Premier League before. If you've watched any Inter Milan games, we've seen him manage them before. This is not a surprise. This is what he does, um, and it's 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 like a, especially if it's coming from from Spurs fans. It's like this is a gift. Like this is a joy to, uh, 
enjoy for as long as it's here. Like, don't, don't be like, oh God, you know, expressive Europeans. Like, you don't mean anything by that. And like, he's a performer as well, you know, Mm. like, um, like, which is great, which is what we want. And it's like, you don't go and get like, you know, the biggest music artist in the world and, and they're like, oh, you know what? We're playing Wembley tonight, so let's really go all out and give it all our energy. Oh, but we're playing a slightly mm. smaller stadium tomorrow, so let's only go 50%. You know, let's only give yeah. that crowd a 50%. Let's not really care that mm. much. Let's get into it. It's like, no, mm. the best performers always do a, an incredible show, whether it's in a stadium or whether it's in like a small bar with 30 people in it. And so I think, yeah. to me, Conte would be doing that. Like, if Conte was taking his traveling roadshow around and was, you know, um, selling out stadiums, doing doing performances. Like I don't know what art form Conte would choose. Maybe I think maybe stand up. He could do a pretty decent job. Yeah, stand up or like aggressive live painting, um, <laughs> yeah. where he paints in <laughs> in the blood of previous players and or animals. Yeah, <laughs> um, while giving a lecture. Definitely, and he would give that with the same amount of passion every single venue he went to, uh, and that's mm-hmm. what you want. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm all up now for like, yeah, seeing a manager who cares and it's great because it inspires everyone else to do the same. Yeah, totally. Um, like on the, you know, we've got the um, Europa Conference game. Uh, what time is it? It's like yeah, Friday morning for us. Oh, it's and, um, rubbish time. Yeah. It's rubbish. Like, and it's, it's like a, you know, conference league blah. But what's interesting for me about the conference league is that I actually don't care about the results at all. Um, which has given like, as opposed to the Europa League, where if we lose, I'm like, a, I'm a bit annoyed, but I'm also like stupid league anyway. With the Conference League, it's like, well, this is stupid, but I then get to watch, you know, players that aren't starting most of the time and evaluate like what is going on there. And it, like, it's really, uh, I think it's really valuable and interesting from that perspective, like the travel and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not doing it, so whatever. But I think, yeah, just from a, from getting insights about uh, what might be coming in the league or anything, I think it's really uh, it's, it's really interesting. Well, and also it's really good. Um, I don't want to discredit these other teams are playing against and say it's just really good practice for us. But like that Vitesse mm. game was a really good. Like, it was an enjoyable game to watch. It was really entertaining. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's what we get in these games. We get teams who, you know, they view us as like a big dog that they want to take down. So we get teams mm. who are like giving their all and it actually means something for them to be in conference league. Like they don't see it as a disappointment. This is like mm. a good sort of, um, you know, this is, this is the best league, you know, sort of the best like interleague, you know, inter mm. international European league that they're sort of playing in. Um, and so they really go for it. And it's like, and it's, we've sort of seen that like, if we're not fully up for it, if we're not taking them seriously, we will get caught out. So mm. I'm at the stage now where like, I want us to just crush every conference league game. I want us to start mm. building that again, that like consistency and that mentality. So yeah, Conte wins, um, you know, gets us to win, um, you know, two, one against Leeds, And then we get a full on passionate performance, the same sort. So um, passionate celebration, the same sort of celebration we get if we beat Man U um, or Arsenal or Chelsea or anyone. And then it's like, I want that same sort of thing to be driven through about the consistency of all the teams that we play. Like I want us to just mm. be ruthless killers in these games and just start actually, you know, getting it into our like our players' heads. Like we don't switch off. Every team mm. we play against, we go, we go, we go. And we just 
we just go for broke and we just like tear them apart. Like that to me is really exciting because it's a, it's a Spurs that I have never seen before in my whole lifetime. I've never seen mm. a, a Spurs team that has embodied that and we haven't embodied that yet, but hopefully that's where we're going to go with this. Um, and mm. like that would just be sort of incredible because whilst we had the running all day mentality with Pochettino and we always thought we'd be able to come back, we didn't have that killer edge where we just mm. thought like, yeah, we are actually just going to be able to dominate teams and we mm. we are a, a violent force to be <laughs> to be reckoned mm. with. So I think I find that like really, really exciting. And, you know, it's Conte's already talked about various players. Like he's talked about Ndombele a bit in some slightly worrying comments where he's like, <laughs> he's so talented, mm. but also, you know, he kind of has to want it. <laughs> and it, we're, mm. we're just mm. like, ah, oh. like, you know, this two weeks was a great period for like, for hopefully for Conte to get in Ndombele's head and and sort of, you know, get that across to him. Um, but, yeah, I just want us to take these games seriously now. And I, I think I've changed a little bit. Like when we had um, Nuno, it was like, all right, Europe League, whatever happens, let's really focus on league. But now knowing how Conte operates, it's like, no, let's focus on everything and let's really just push hard. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, I still think that if we got knocked out, I wouldn't care. But my main interest is uh, obviously I'd like I'd prefer us to win it than get knocked out. But I, whatever if we get knocked out. But the the intrigue of the game, uh, the games in the Europa League is uh, is like a very unique experience. And um, I'm yeah now sort of especially with Conte as you said, like I want that uh, as you said that, that that killer. Like we go in regardless of what the team is, we know what we're doing, and we will win. Like there is, there is no, the, even if we don't win, but the attitude of the team is like, no, we will win this game. Like we haven't had, I've never seen that. Like I've never seen that, like um, that kind of mentality. And hopefully that, that grows under Conte. Um, we, uh, we, we haven't done the Pittsburgh medal talking about our winners and winning mentality, um, which well, you know. we need to embody this as well. Like, so the bit spurs mm. metal is going to change from now on. It's going to be a bit more serious. Gonna, oh yeah, absolutely. Going to deliver it with a bit more yeah. passion. We're not going to. Mm, we're not going to. You know, like myself, sometimes forget games and struggle to remember mm. who's played. This is we're taking this. We're embodying the whole Conte mentality across everything we're doing as well, Barney. Mm-hmm, so we are mm-hmm. definitely doing the bit so spurs metal. I think, in terms of taking this more seriously, I think we need to make a commitment that whoever wins the bit spurs medal at the end we do our best to make contact with that player, whoever they may be, and send them the most revolting medal they've ever seen. Um, and then just campaign that they then celebrate it because they should. If they win, they've got to have that mentality, Dan. Oh, I agree as well. And it's like any win. Mm. Like we want Conte being in the dressing room and going like, all right, boys, you've won the, do you, any of you even want the a bit Spursy medal? Mm. You know, we need to show mm-hmm. that desire. It might be not, mm-hmm. you know, well regarded, but um, which I think is unfair if that's the case. But you know, yeah, let's go for it. Let's try and clean up everything and let's bring some excitement to mm-hmm. it. So I agree with you. I think we we will do our best to reach out to whoever wins the bit Spursy medal. Uh, certain players might be a little bit harder to get in touch with than others. Um, Absolutely, but you know, six degrees of separation. We know if Joe Roden's still at the club, uh, you know, Sam Roden there, like his brother, there might be mm-hmm. an in there to try and. Mm. work something out or we'll find some other way that we can sneak it in. But I, I definitely think there is a way. I am very excited for um, 
say in the circumstance that Conte was to win the medal, um, what happens is that we send uh, a message to the club. We say, please deliver this wet, slimy medal to Antonio Conte. He's won. Congratulations. Did you say this wet, slimy medal? Yeah, it's going to be wet and slimy. I'm going to make sure of that. And um, the best bit is that because of the way that, you know, like we'll get a letter back with like, Dear Dan and Barney, thank you so much for sending this through. I appreciate it a lot, Antonio Conte. And he will never see the medal, but we will have documentation that he has received it and has accepted it. Um, And I'm not saying I'm going to bias the votes so that that happens, but um, I think that uh, that would be excellent. Uh, and also checking in after that, being like, uh, Conte hasn't been wearing the medal. Uh, we've noticed uh, uh, pitch side. He has, he's not been wearing it. So um, could you just check in with him if, if he likes it and just eventually get banned um, from ever contacting them? But, you know, worth it. No, it's good. It's a good dream to have. It's a good aim. Mm. I, I like mm-hmm. it. So, <laughs> look, I, I guess should we do, get into the votes for the Bitspursy medal for this game? Absolutely. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, I'm happy to go first. I'll go sure. first. All right, cool. Um, so yeah. personally, I'm going to give three votes to Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I play a little bit up and down, but I thought for the majority of the game, he was probably our most positive attacking force. Um, he showed us as well that like when he is playing centrally, he does have that nice little turn on him when if you do get mm-hmm. it into him and um, to feet and he's back to goal, he's not sort of like, you know, holding up the... Um, you know, either either a centre back who's come up to him or a defensive midfielder, but he does this mm. nice little quick turn and then just goes mm. and sort of gets away from mm-hmm. them so well. So um, I thought he did that quite a few um, times in this game. He also had, you know, one or two other chances. Like he played Kane through for when he should have scored. So I thought overall he was just a pretty positive force mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give three points to Lucas. Yep, correct. Um, now I'm actually going to give. Two points to Dyer. Yep. Which uh, could be, you know, a little bit controversial. But mm. I think it's, um, you know, we've criticized Dyer at certain times before. Dyer gets a lot of criticism amongst, uh, criticism amongst the fan base. Uh, he's, you know, he's a player that, like, I really love his vibe. Um, but I also mm. just think that, you know, in a back three, I think there possibly is room for Eric Dyer. Um, mm-hmm. And he hit a couple of nice, like, sort of cross-field passes in this game too. And I don't know. Like, I think when you've got Romero, Dyer, and then, you know, an upgrade on Davies, I think mm. Dyer is someone who could do a job in there. And I think he is definitely someone who would completely buy into Conte's men- um, mentality and, like, he would, you know, be become quite a – like, he already is a bit of a leader in the team and he's well-respected mm. in the dressing room. So, um you know, two two votes for him. Like, it's not like he did anything particularly incredible during the game, but um, I thought he was relatively solid. And I just think that, you know, it's um, it's time to sort of give Dyer a little bit more love. Mm-hmm. Uh, one vote. Uh, I'm uh, I'm giving it to Hoybier for the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, okay. yep. like you said, he wasn't great, but um, you know, he scored the goal. Which sort of got us back into it. This, the vote could have also gone to, to to Reggie as well if we were going on that. But you know, I thought that Hoybier goal was really kind of crucial to get the game happening. And like, I mean, Lucas, you know, <laughs> made that goal and sort of served it up to him as well. So uh, uh, with that, Reggie, he's going to get an encouragement um, encouragement point or half a point. 
uh, because I think getting off the mark as well. And like, he actually did so well following in off that free kick from Dyer too. Yeah. Big um, it yeah. was, it was really great. And I just think, yeah, Reggie's going to be inconsistent at times, but playing in this more sort of attacking wing back position, I think is really going to suit him. And, um, do you know what was really interesting in the broadcast? I thought was, um, you know, we had we had Tim Sherwood and Alan Shearer as like the in the studio for our coverage here yeah. in Australia. And lucky us. <laughs> what was really interesting was I think it was at half time maybe um, Sherwood was tearing in and he's like Emerson Region, you know they're not they they're not Premier League level they're rubbish they they need to go um, you know Spurs they've got to get better wing backs in do that. And then it was just very different how he was talking to them after the game. Like he wasn't giving them complete mm. glowing praise, but it was just like, that's that's not right to just be like, yeah, they need to go there. They're out. And then they score and it's like, well, he's pushed on. He's done well. He's, he's a good kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, come on now. Yeah. Um, mm. So I'm going to give Reg uh, 0.5. Um, I'm also going to give mm-hmm. uh, Conte uh, 0.5 as well, purely just for his celebrations. Um. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I'm actually not going to give any negative votes um, this week because I thought, you know, that Leeds United players went about their business relatively well. Bielsa's yep. great with his little stool. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's it for me. Yeah, great. Excellent. All right. I'm just going to tear straight in. Okay. So despite what I said before about not wanting to bias the votes, I'm giving three to Conte. Um, <laughs> uh, and this is why. One, for the... Uh, the the tactical display if it is how we hypothesized it was that's genius two for celebrations um they were phenomenal and three for being antonio conte so that's three votes um i am then going to back that up i'm going to try and change it. i'm not going to go three to one i'm going to change it up i'm going to give three to eric dyer um because i thought his performance and he's been pretty good this season but i thought his performance in this match was particularly good and I think he should be rewarded for that. And then I'm just going to give one to assess uh, for coming back in. He should have had an assist with the cross that he made, um, but there was no one in the box. Uh, it was a great cross. And I'm so pleased to see him back. And I hope that he is back for a significant period of time and doesn't suffer an injury. I want to see, you know, the I want to see what happens with him and Reggie if they're competing for that position. Can they push, push each other? you know, to be better. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see this play that we bought like three seasons ago <laughs> that um, has barely played for us. Um, in terms of encouragement awards, I, uh, ooh, I'm going to give, um, I'm going to give a 0.5 to Lucas. Cause I agree with you. Like I thought, um, you know, he did some good things and as much as he ran into cul-de-sacs, there was also, it was sort of balanced enough with good, you know, he got the assist and he did do, he contributed in a, in a good way. In terms of, uh, oh, I'm going to 0.5 to Bielsa for sitting on his tub because I think that's just <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. Um, negative votes. I'm going to give, I'm just going to one, it's just a negative one to the Spurs fans that booed the team off at halftime because that was insane. Um, and it was really, it reminded me of like spoiled man, new fan kind of, attitudes and that's not something that I've ever associated with our club and yeah it was I found it really uh distasteful and, and disappointing that that happened it was like what what like 
Yeah, what, definitely. What do you expect? What do you want? Like, you want us to come out and smash them for five goals in the first, and like, without knowing any context as to what was planned or what we were supposed to be doing. So, yeah, that's it. Definitely. I like as well with your um your your positive votes. Like, we've been pretty mm. sort of, we've been pretty pretty stri- well, not strict. But I say pretty disciplined mm. in giving out three, two, one every week, and then mm. you know many negative votes, which is just off the charts, going everywhere. But mm. I like now that you've kind of opened the door a little bit to maybe possibly moving forward. Votes do not need to be three, three, two, one in the positive. So mm-hmm. we've got a three, three, and it might not be long before it gets to some stage <laughs> in the season, and we're like, well, Olive Skip had a good game, plus two hundred, and the <laughs> yeah. anarchy just well- begins. <laughs> So I was worried when I was thinking about it, I was like, I should give, I want to give three to Conte and three to Dyer. And that should be like my three votes go to Conte and then the two and the one go to Dyer. Yeah. But I had to, I couldn't not give Cess the, the one. The one. So we could even count to not disrupt the, the, the brilliant structure to which we abide <laughs> um, and the seriousness to which we now take it. We could say that Cess is, is a bonus one, but. um, <laughs> He's getting two also, encouragement points <laughs> to put together. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. look one player yeah. one player very quickly which we should just mention is um it was pretty alarming I think to not see Ndombele um starting this game yeah. like we spoke a lot last time well, we, I guess we also said last time that you know when if he wasn't playing this game he might still need some more time but mm. I think it was yeah it says a lot that we've got you know Winks coming in instead of Ndombele and like I'm assuming Ndombele is going to start against Mora Mm. Tomorrow, but yeah, yeah, we're we're you know he's had two weeks with Conte. Conte's come out with those comments that we said, like it is mm. starting to get. I think if we don't see Ndombele getting some like regular starts by the end of this year, and when I mean that, I mean like December. Um, mm. I think then there's probably some cause for concern. Oh, totally. I think, um, in terms of the way that we did end up playing against Leeds. Harry Winks playing, you know, like given the whole context of the game, I'm not that concerned about. But if Ndombele doesn't play against Mora and then he doesn't play against Burnley, uh, like even by that stage, which is also kind of getting close to December anyway, I will be very concerned because then it's like, well, we've now had, you know, as we've spoken about before, he's been, managers have been very hesitant to use him previously, but now we have one, to which it's like, well, if he's not including a player, there's a reason. And, yeah, that to me is uh, pretty indicative of the the state of his status within the club. And, and if that's the case, then we've taken a very, very big loss on this player. <laughs> Definitely. And look, where I'm sitting is I'm in the position now of I'm not going to sit here and defend him, Dombele, more. Um, I'm just like, mm. all right, Conte is now my final, you know, judge and jury on this. And mm. if if Ndombele doesn't get in, then I'm willing to write him off and go. You know what? We uh, we backed the wrong horse here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. I agree with you. Same with Lacelso. Like Lacelso. Like Ndombele's had some good moments, but as I said, I think on the last pod that Lacelso had that period where he was the like literally carrying the entire team on his back. So there's, you know, as much as the evidence for Ndombele. Being a good player is more recent. I think, to me anyway, despite all the hate online, apparently, um, uh, Geo is uh, has got a bit more um, like leeway with what he does. But also, if he's not being included by you know December, end of December, 
then same. It's like, okay, we really stuffed it. <laughs> like we thought we were getting the two best young midfielders in the world and we signed two darts and Sesson Young, who hopefully uh, also is consistent. <laughs> Otherwise that is a terrible window and not through the clubs. Like it's just really bad. I mean, you could maybe say bad scouting, but also bad luck. Like, um, it just sucks. There's definitely that element of bad luck. Like, like I mm. think it's a you know a bit of both in that instance there. And mm. we like to always just say, oh, it's bad scouting, bad scouting, but it's bad luck too. And the amount of you know players that clubs like Man City and stuff turn over is huge. But they just have the money to constantly buy fifty million pound players and just take mm. you know they're like, all right, that didn't work out, ship them on. All right, we'll get another lot mm. in and all that. So. Yeah, an exciting couple of months there, but look, it's good to get back on the board um, with mm-hmm. a win. And the next, you know, run of four or five league games we have, it's pretty. They're all pretty winnable. Um, so, you know, we don't want to get carried away, but um, just after we have a two-one win um, in, you know, sort of a pretty, you know, gripping comeback <laughs> against Leeds. Yeah. But you know, there is every chance now that we can push on. You know. Qualify for the next stage of Europa, uh, sorry, of um, Conference League, and then, you know, really sort of push back up the table and, you know, hopefully get into fourth by the end of the year. Mm, yeah, wouldn't that be phenomenal and so unexpected if we were to make fourth? That would be so exciting. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week to talk about the Mora game and the game against Burnley, um, which I'm sure will be riveting given uh, <laughs> how Burnley play. But uh, hopefully we just uh, we just walk it. But also it's Tottenham, so who knows? Um, I've been uh, Barney. I've been Dan. I've been Dan Kelly. And uh, thank you very much uh, for listening to a bit Spursy for another week. Um, come on, you Spurs! You've been listening to a bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.